Hey Energy Matters to you listeners, Ali Galuli here. Please enjoy the special episode featuring the November 16th Council on Women in Energy and Environmental Leadership's program, Advocating, Negotiating, and Career Advancement Tools with Nathalie Osborne and Beth Offenbacher. If you are interested in joining Seawheel, please visit www.seawheelnewengland.org. Thank you everyone for joining us today for what is now our fourth meeting of Seawheel New England, and I'm really excited for this event. Um, We have two equally wonderful presenters who are going to help guide us through um, advocating, negotiating, and career advancement tools. Um, I'm Hadass Webb. I uh, I head the Seawheel New England group, and I also run the analytics group at a local uh, technology-enabled consultancy um, working in energy efficiency in Boston called Symmetrics. Um, I started the Sea Whale Group at the beginning of 2021, and um, it's been great to meet other women that are so enthusiastic about energy and also enthusiastic about networking with other women in energy locally, nationally, internationally. Um, so there's, uh, there's a few new faces here. I'll run through a quick overview of what Sea Whale is, and then we'll dive right into our presentation. So um, for those that don't know, Sea Whale is the Council on Women in Energy and Environmental Leadership. It is a division of the Association of Energy Engineers. So it is an international network of women. And uh, the focus of CWheel is uh, is based on the four pillars of career development, mentorship, scholarships, and networking. CWheel has been around for several years. I wanna say seven or eight years. And it was launched with the goals of supporting AEE's diversity goals and the Equal by 30 campaign. And more recently, there has been the development of chapters so that we can provide a, a local focus on, um, on career development and, um, and energy issues, and also collaborate with other local organizations that have similar missions. And, um, you know, I, my motivation for joining Seawheel is that I, I went to the Seawheel uh, uh, networking events at the AE conferences. I was really so inspired and motivated by them. And after joining Seawheel, it opened so many new opportunities for, for me to develop personally. Um, the story that I always like to tell is that I was looking through the Seawheel um, committees that they have to try to expand my own professional skill set. And I saw that they have a fundraising committee and uh, I, I didn't have any fundraising experience. It was an area I wanted to develop. So I joined the fundraising committee and they let me join the fundraising committee having zero fundraising experience. So now I can say I have a year of fundraising under my belt. And that's just one example of um, career development opportunities that Sula has presented for me. Um, and I think that ties in well to this presentation on um, opportunities for advancement. Um, so Seawheel is a membership-based organization and some of the benefits of membership includes access to member-only networking events, uh, a great structured mentorship program, leadership and speaking opportunities and involvement in in some of the committees and opportunities to participate in the awards and the scholarship programs. Um, Seawheel also has a corporate sponsorship program if you're in a position to participate in a corporate sponsorship. There's different different levels of participation in that, um, event sponsorship and also annual corporate sponsorship and membership. And like I mentioned, there's national committees you can participate in. and if you'd like to participate in our local Seawheel group, please let me know or Andrea know, and we'd love to have you. I'd love to have the help. 
And um, some upcoming events we have uh, after this one, we meet every two months. So the next one is gonna be in January. It's gonna be a panel discussion about a project uh, or a, a partnership between Salem and Beverly. For those that don't know, Salem and Beverly are two towns on the North Shore coast of Massachusetts. Um, so they're, they're already dealing with some um, climate issues and this will be a discussion of the partnership that they've created to um, prepare for climate change and, and improve their resilience. Um, in March, we're gonna have a presentation from one of our own advisory group members, Kirsten, on tips and tools to level up your visual communication game. Um, our May event is gonna be a joint meeting with AE New England uh, on a factory tour. And in July, we are hoping we could have a live in-person social event and uh, we'll send a survey about that early next year. So um, let me hand it over to Danielle real quick because we're very fortunate to have Eversource sponsoring this event. So Danielle, um, will you talk about that for a moment? Sure, thank you. My name is Danielle Poulin. I work with Eversource and energy efficiency. And today they are sponsoring a book giveaway to those who are participating in the event today who are registered Seawheel New England members. So we're very thankful that they're sponsoring this giveaway for us. And I hope our new members and existing members look out for their copy. Um, Eversource, uh, just a little bit about them, is the largest energy company in New England and a proud sponsor of um, energy efficiency initiatives in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. These initiatives provide energy efficiency solutions to homes and businesses. Through these initiatives, which include supporting and collaborating with important groups like Seawheel, they are working to advance equitable access to energy efficiency and a clear energy future for New England. Uh, for information about any of the energy efficiency solutions that we offer, um, you can visit Save Money and Energy at Eversource.com. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Very grateful to Eversource for that one. Um, all right. So I'm excited to hear from Natalie and Beth today. So I'll let Kristen do the intros and then we can dive right in. Yeah, so welcome everyone. My name is Kirsten and I work with Adas, Danielle, and Andrea on the Seawheel New England Advisory Board. Um, and we're so excited to provide this event today. Both of our speakers have a great depth of experience and they're full of wisdom, which they are sharing with us today. So we're so grateful. Um, we'll be hearing from both of them. First, we'll have Natalie, who is the Chief Energizer of Positively Powered Professional Development and co-author of our giveaway book, which is the international bestseller, Ignite Your Leadership. Uh, she serves on the Board of Advancing Women in Energy, which is AWE, the Board of Michigan Energy Options, and volunteers with the National Seawheel Career Development Committee. So she's a busy lady, giving up her time quite generously. And Dr. Beth Offenbacher, similarly busy. Uh, she has a dynamic exec, or she is a dynamic executive with 25 plus years of experience in our industry. Um, through her work at her company, Waterford Inc., Beth provides um, individual coaching engagements for professionals moving into or advancing in a sustainability career, which is very applicable to all of us here today. 
So this involves designing a career strategy, building a career plan, and guiding her clients in implementing these um, important foundational elements for stepping into what's next. So we're really looking forward to both ladies' leadership. And without further ado, I will hand it over to Natalie to get started. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm also really excited to be uh, co-presenting with uh, Beth again. She has fabulous resources and tools. And bear with me a little bit. I want to pop back the chat back open. Um, can everyone see my screen? I should be seeing that. Um, and let me get the chat open. I love to use the chat. So I'm going to ask you guys to play along a little bit as I go here. Um, but I'm guessing you are here today and drop a one in the chat if these are some things that you are interested in exploring today and why you're here today, but you are interested in learning more about how to advocate for yourself, advance those professional goals, network, connect with other women uh, in our industry. You know, maybe you're looking at how you can fuel a little bit more confidence um, in how you show up in your own career um, or power yourself forward. Um, as well as just stepping more fully into the power of who you are. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of ones. Um, so I love this topic. I love to, to share about it. So I want to give you um, a little bit of an overview of who I am. So I have 20 years of what I call positively powered experience. These are some of the energy projects that I've worked in in the industry and some of the companies I've worked with. And it looks like I have a hiccup with this slide because it uh, should have that picture disappear. Um, but in that same 20 years plus, I've also been really focused on the personal development of myself and of others. I'm certified as a Canfield trainer. I'm certified in five Franklin Covey content areas uh, with the co-authoring Ignite Your Leadership, which was originally released in 2017. The updated release, which you see here, was just launched in September. Um, that's led to just the fortune of being able to now share this work with what I call positively powered professional development. So I go into energy companies and I just share how similar to how we can manage the energy of our homes and buildings, we can manage our own personal energy. And I do do a little bit of technical consulting still on the side um, based off my technical program management experience. So a little bit about who I am and you know why I'm here today. So I'm just going to invite you to be present for today's uh, presentation. I know that there's a lot of multitasking in the virtual environment, um, but engage in the chat, ask your questions, um, have fun. That's, I think, what's important. So I want to start with the baseline, right? And um, as you can see here, this is the most recent McKinsey Women in the Workplace report. And Kristen's dropped a link in the chat if you're interested in diving into this. But, you know, the unfortunate news is while we're still getting strides in our representation in industry, the you know, truth of it is that we still continue to be underrepresented in positions at all levels uh, across the industry, from entry-level roles all the way up to the C-suite. And we also continue to be less promoted. So this is real-world data that for every 100 men uh, who are promoted, only 86 women are promoted, right? And then I think we all know kind of the stat there on how we are underrepresented, especially in technical industries like women and STEM. You know, and it's frightening, right? I mean, raise your hand or, or drop a one in the chat, you know, if you, 
you know, sometimes feel like you just can't get ahead or you're just not sure how to raise your voice or stand up for yourself or you feel like you've been overlooked um, in a meeting. You know, I know there's been plenty of times I have been in meetings with my peers where I have felt discounted or overlooked. Um, and it took me a while to, to, you know, start looking at how I could express myself, how I could show up and how I could step into my power. And there's some reasons behind that, right? The unfortunate truth is, you know, the study in this data, as well as in um, additional studies, you know, and I love this book, The Confidence Code by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, because it kind of dives into what we can do as women to fuel our confidence. But it also highlights that how, you know, unlike men who, you know, when they tend to be underqualified and underprepared, you know, they just don't think twice about going forward anyway. In fact, our society and our systems are actually set up to encourage, you know, men to be more risk takers. Um, encourage them to, to try new things, get out there, right? And as women, you know, we tend to be taught, you know, hey, it's not important to, to you can't be too loud, you know, hey, you're, you know, you need to be softer, you need to be gentler, right? Does any of this make sense? Drop a yes in the chat if this, this sounds like um, it makes sense. Um, but, you know, we tend to be overqualified and overprepared sometimes, or we, we don't realize we're overqualified and overprepared. You know, and we see this position that's posted and we think, my gosh, I can't do that. I don't have all the 10 bullet items listed. I don't have my master's degree. I don't have the 10 years of experience they're looking for, even though that might be a wish list item. And so we hold back. We say, hey, I'm not going to submit my resume. I'm not going to apply for that position. You know, I've got to go out and get that MBA. I've got to get that 10 years of experience. I need to get, you know, some more projects under my belt before I step into that. Right. And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of share a couple stories, um, you know, that just tie right into that, as well as give you some tips and tricks on, on how you can step more fully into your power. And because I love to do interactive work, we're also going to jump into breakout rooms later and, and do some interactive exercises to help feel um, practicing stepping into that power. So I wanted to share a story about a, a couple stories, actually, about times when I what I call shorted the circuit on my success. So early in my career and really early in my career, this was my first uh, job or actually second job in energy. I was working for what is now called the Center for Sustainable Energy. And as I came on board, the organization was going through a management change. Uh, they were bringing in a new CEO, a new director. Um, and it was a woman, which was awesome. I love that. We were a small nonprofit uh, at the time, about 10, 12 of us. And so one day we had uh, a meeting where our new CEO um, was trying to um, reconnect or connect with the group. She was having some challenges. Um, I was brought in about the same time that she was, but the previous CEO who was leaving um, he had a lot of rapport and a lot of trust built up with the organization. So there was a lot of skepticism with why the board had chose to bring her in. And so she called a meeting uh, with the staff to, to bring us together and um, talk about that. Well, in the course of this meeting, she broke down emotionally. And it became a really uncomfortable situation for all of us there. 
And in that moment, I felt, I felt a lot of empathy and a lot of compassion for her. But I also was really confused because I've never seen a leader break down like that in a work environment. And so after the meeting, um, you know, I went, I went to go talk to her. And here is where I short-circuited things. I went into that meeting thinking that I was being empathetic and compassionate. And I was really coming across as kind of a jerk. You know, I started the meeting off with, you know, hey, I, I'm really confused and I wanted to talk to you. I've never seen a leader break down like that before. And I'm trying to understand, you know, why you got vulnerable and why the tears were shed and how that showed up. And it was really uncomfortable for all of us, right? Does anyone kind of see where I may have started making some mistakes in this conversation? Drop a one in the chat if you do, right? So right away, I put her on the defensive and it didn't do a lot of good for my trust or rapport with this new CEO. In fact, it really impacted our relationship and it impacted our relationship the entire time I was at this organization. Um, you know, she just was rubbed the wrong way. And unfortunately, I never really got to a point where I could fully heal that. And looking back at that situation, you know, I think about how I could have done things differently you know, to advocate not only for myself, but for women in leadership in a position of power, right? I went into that meeting and I kind of came across with the, and we do this as women, right? It's not just the men. We as women do this as well. We discount each other, right? I went in with the expectation that leaders should be, you know, keep their emotions in check. We shouldn't share them, right? When, when unfortunately, you know, I think that we actually need, now that I'm older and hopefully a little wiser, that we need more heart-centered leaders. And I should have went into that meeting maybe with this approach, you know, hey, I really appreciate that you were comfortable sharing, you know, your vulnerability and how you're feeling right now with the group, you know, and sharing your, um, you know, how you feel like you're not connecting. It's opening up the opportunity for us to connect better maybe as a team and to be brave enough to share our emotions too here, right? And I think as we go forward, you know, those are the kinds of leaders we want to see. Leaders that allow for the true expression of ourselves. And it probably wouldn't have put her on the defense, right? It probably also would have said, hey, I see you. I heard you. It's hard to be in the position you're in. You came into a challenging environment where there was a lot of trust and rapport for the previous CEO, and you're the new woman in town. And, you know, people don't trust you and you're looking to create an environment where we are comfortable to trust you. And you took a risk and you told us what was really going on for you, right? Drop a yes if you think that would have made a difference in that relationship and how we changed um, in the course of our relationship over the course of our career, right? So that's one example. Another example is when uh, back in 2011, when I first decided I wanted to go out and start doing this work um, and positively powering uh, individuals, we're focusing on the energy of people and not organizations. So made some other mistakes. So the first thing I did is I decided I was just gonna quit everything I was doing in the energy, walk completely away, and I was also going to leave San Diego, where I lived for 14 years, and move up to Oregon. And I was going to start a new company, start fresh, start on a clean slate. Sounded like a really good idea. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, that sounded like a great idea as well. You know, start fresh. Well, 
I moved to a place where I had no network, trying to grow a business, trying to establish rapport and trust and, and credibility in something I'd never done before. And right away, I learned that that wasn't the right approach and that I was going to have to try something new. It was really uncomfortable. So I decided that I was going to go to work for a professional development company. So I applied to work for a professional development company and I saw an inside business sales role. Now, but now at this point in my career, I had had account executive roles. I had sold multi-million dollar projects. I had managed multi-million dollar projects. And so this role was an entry level role. And in the interview process, you know, we sat down to talk and they said, are you sure you want to take on this role? And I said, yes. I said, I don't have the skills. I'm new to this industry. You know, I wasn't even thinking forward that my skills were translatable, that I could have maybe gone for an executive, account executive role with their organization. I went, no, I've got to step into this, this lower role and I've got to get my feet wet, right? So now, long story short, I got the role and I... Um, stepped into it and really quickly, I actually actually started in, it wasn't an inside business partner role. I actually started in a role where I was actually responding to emails and making cold calls. And then I got promoted in about a couple months into this inside business sales role. So I was like, yes, success, I'm moving up. They see my strengths. Well, as it would go, uh, some account executive roles came up, right? And I would go to my managers, I would go to the account executors and I'd say, hey, I think I'm capable of doing this role. I've done sales before. I think I can, I can get out and talk to executives. And I was consistently told, Natalie, you're an inside business partner. I don't think you have the skills or the acumen to talk to the C-level suite. You know, that's a, a really refined skill that you know, needs to be developed, right? So what they didn't know about me is that I had those skills. I had presented to C-level executives about projects. I had presented to school boards about projects, right? And I got really frustrated because they didn't understand my background and energy. They didn't understand how those skills were transferable. And I got angry and I eventually left the company instead of uh, trying to help them understand or see that I had those strengths. Um, and I came back to the energy industry to, to um, and applied those training skills within the industry as a people manager. But I wanna get back to that story because I wanna tell you what I did wrong. And I'm very clear on what I did wrong. When I took that inside business sales role, I undersold myself. I undervalued myself. I told that company 100% exactly what I thought I was worth. I told them I was worth that lower salary. I told them I was worth that lower paycheck, right? And so it wasn't their fault that they didn't understand how my skills were transferable. I didn't even do a good job of selling myself when I had had all this experience selling projects, right? Raise a hand if that's something you've ever had done before where you've undervalued or underappreciated your skills or just haven't stood up for yourself. So, and that was a valuable lesson that I learned, right? And when I came back to the energy industry and I stepped into the roles, I'd been away for a couple of years, right? And they asked about the gap. They asked about the gap in my career. And because I'd learned that lesson, I took responsibility for it. And I said, you know, I've been away for the industry for a while. I wanted to go out and I wanted to, 
you know, focus on the energy of people and the energy of organizations. And what I came to realize is that I needed to come back to this industry and I need to step back into one of my program management roles and a leadership role in this industry. And I need to use these tools that I've learned that I wanted to do as a trainer and a facilitator and a coach. And I need to use them as a people manager. And so I sold myself differently and I was able to step right back into leadership roles in the industry and feel myself differently because I took a stand for who I was, my strengths, my skills, and why they were transferable. So drop a yes in the chat if those stories were helpful in just hearing that you're not alone in uh, making bad decisions sometimes, uh, having hiccups in your career. We all have them. And I think it's important to embrace the good, the bad, and the ugly and, and to move forward from them. So a couple tips on how to energize advocating for yourself, right? The first is speak up, share your voice, right? How many times are you in a meeting and you're in a meeting, a table full of men, and sometimes, and I know this early in my career, I was scared. I was scared to say something in the meeting, right? I'm the only woman in the room, right? But we have to not be afraid to share our voice and to speak up and give our input, right? And there's some simple ways to do that, right? And if you feel like you're not going to be heard, you know, build on someone else's point. You know, hey, Bob, that was a really great point. You know, another great point that I'd like to add or something else I see is, right, just build on the conversation. It doesn't have to be something new or evolved. It could just be agreeing with some what someone said, but practice speaking up, practice sharing your voice. The other thing that I've learned is it's important to shift your language, right? And I think this is especially important in industries like ours that tend to be more male dominated than female dominated is shift your language, change the words you're using, change how you talk to a man versus a woman. And I was fortunate enough to take a course uh, that I really loved. It was actually called Understanding Men. It's kind of a weird, quirky class. Um, but it created a number of ahas for me, right? Just simple things that we can do as women to shift our communication style when we're talking to men, right? Instead of asking them how they feel, asking them what they think, right? Using the word think versus feel in an email or in a conversation, you know, asking them if they would be willing to provide some help or willing, to, you know, words like provide, um, would you be willing to help? Um, using words like, hey, I respect your opinion. These are words that have a buzz with men, right? They think about them differently. So just knowing how to put those into an email or ask an email differently. And most importantly, in those emails, get to the point. You know, I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, right? I, I tend to go where the conversation takes me and we do that as women, right? But with men, we need to get to the point, right? Tell them what we need and what the email is about right out of the gate. Short and simple. Another thing, and we're gonna practice a little bit of this later, is start shining your light. And this is start taking responsibility for your strengths, who you are, your skills. Don't be afraid to brag a little bit about that. It's a little uncomfortable, right? Acknowledge those things you've done well. And so you see here a picture of, of what I call Victory Log. This is actually a journal I have. Um, I started 
this a number of years ago, but you know, take some time to, to fuel your successes. Write down, um, and if you wanna take on this challenge, um, write down a hundred successes that you've had in your life. And what I've actually done is taken that and, and captured that into what I call now a victory log. So whenever I have a little success, no matter how big or small, I capture it down in this book. And if you do take on this challenge of, of looking at your successes, you're gonna find that coming up with a hundred gets really tough. And so you're gonna have to start acknowledging the small stuff too. Like I learned to tie my shoes. At the time you learned to tie your shoes, it was a big deal or ride a bike, right? So anyways, learn to take responsibility and fuel your successes. And the best thing about having a book like this or a list like this is when you're needing a little boost, you can go and flip through those pages and say, hey, these are some successes I've had. You can revisit that and it'll fuel that confidence as you're about to go into a conversation where you may need to take a stand for yourself differently. And that gets into, you know, that bragging a little bit, stepping outside of our comfort zone, you know, not being afraid to take risks, right? And uh, not being afraid to do something different. And I loved what Hadass shared earlier today um, on the call about, you know, when she uh, got involved with Seawill, right? She said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this fundraising committee, but I'm not quite sure what that's about. I've never done fundraising. I mean, I think she knew what it was about fundraising, but, you know, how to go about it, how to, how to do it, what it would involve. But she said, you know what, I'm going to take that risk anyway. I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. And what was wonderful is there's organizations like Seawheel, right, that can support you in that. And they embraced her and said, hey, we'll, we'll teach you how, right? So stepping out of your comfort zone also means not being afraid to ask for help or, or ask someone who to be a mentor. Um, find someone who's, been, who's done it before. So but here's a little secret, right? Pretty much anything that's ever been done in life, doesn't matter what, a project, um, something you want to do, something you want to create, for the most part, it's already been done. Or if it hasn't been done, the steps to do it, you know, can be found. And so finding someone who's done that before, asking those questions, learning the process, the secrets are already out there. It's just a matter of finding someone who can guide you along that path. Is that making sense? Drop uh, one in the chat if that's making sense. Yeah. So, and then the other thing I think um, that's really important for us as women is to stop apologizing unnecessarily. So drop a yes in the chat. If, if you, you tend to say, I'm sorry for, you know, even the little things, right? I'm sorry I missed the meeting. Sorry I'm late on this email. <sighs> sorry I forgot about that, right? We overuse the words, I'm sorry. And I'm not quite sure how that's fueled and wired within all of us, but it is. Uh, I know I'm guilty of it. Um, but one of the things that I've been practicing for the last couple of years and that I would encourage you to practice is to just stop apologizing unnecessarily, right? If it's something you really need to apologize for, something where you had ill intent or you weren't your best self, apologize. I'm not saying don't apologize for those things, but I'm saying stop apologizing for those little things. You know, if you feel like you're late on an email response and that you should apologize for that, pause, put a pin in it, and maybe reshift it to, thank you for your understanding with my delayed response. 
thank you for your understanding. I appreciate your understanding, you know, or just don't acknowledge it, just respond, right? And it's kind of a stretch. It'll get you out of your comfort zone, but uh, it's a little challenge I encourage you to take on. So I guess drop a one in the chat, or actually I got a better idea. What I'd like to hear from the group is of these five tips, what is one that you think you might wanna start uh, practicing or one that you would like to say, hey, I'm gonna, if I had to move one of these two millimeters forward, this is the one I would pick. Would you, you know, practice sharing your voice in a meeting, uh, shifting your language, stop apologizing, Barbara, yep. Getting out of your comfort zone, thanks, Nicole, yep. Uh, Connor, uh, I'm not sure who that is. Kristen, stepping out of your comfort zone, constant signing up, speaking up. Can't read them all. There's a lot of them, but yeah, taking a stand. We can start today, and it just takes little two millimeter shifts, a little bit of practice to step out of our comfort zone or shift our language or stop apologizing or ask for help. You know, finding mentors, organizations to network with and get involved with. So we are going to shift into some of the practice parts of this exercise. So what I want you to do right now is take out a sheet of paper or you can do this in your head. And I want you to right now in this moment, just think about yourself and your comfort level with your career or, or a project you're working on um, and just kind of put some emotions to it. You know, are you joyful and hopeful about it or, or satisfied? You know, are you feeling tired or, or frustrated? And I just want you to come up with four um, four words that kind of acknowledge, you know, how you feel about you, your career, and your ability to advocate for yourself. And when you have that, uh, drop a one in the chat. I'm going to give you about a minute here. All right, drop a one in the chat if you need more time. All right. All right, so it looks like everybody has got uh, some words. So that's just a little check. Um, and I do this check for a reason. I'll, I'll share a little bit more later in the presentation, um, but I wanna dive into a little bit right now talking about our perception versus our value. And so this is a picture of the golden Buddha. And I wanna share a story about this golden Buddha. So back in China, um, and I'm not even sure how long ago this is, but uh, years and years ago, the way the golden Buddha was discovered is that there were um, a number of monks that were, um, getting ready uh, for, um, there was a big uh, storm coming. And so they covered up this um, Buddha, this clay Buddha that they had. And a gentleman, uh, one of the monks went out in the middle of the night to check on it. And some elements of the storm had chipped away some of the clay and he saw some sparkle underneath it. 
And the next morning they came out and started chipping away more and more. And they found that under this clay Buddha was this beautiful golden Buddha. And what they think happened is that when uh, years earlier, when the they had been under attack, that they had covered up this Buddha with clay to protect it so that it wouldn't get stolen. And unfortunately that secret got lost um, through the ages. So no one knew this golden Buddha was there. And the reason I'm sharing the story is we are all like that clay Buddha. We all have that gold, that essence inside of us that can truly shine. It's always there. We are pure, we have value, we have worth, but we tend to forget about it. The essence of life tends to cover up that shine and we tend to bulk, put the dirt on it, put the clay on it, and we tend to hide ourselves. Oops. So I want to kind of frame this up in our energy language uh, with a sine wave and a frequency sine wave. So this bar over here is uh, self-esteem. And as um, what this uh, sine wave is, is this our is our perception to our self-esteem, right? So we are always 100% value. We are always that pure gold in who we are in the world. We showed up born ready with a purpose of who we are when we got here. We all have value. We all have worth. But along the way, we have these fluctuations in our self-esteem. And as they ebb and flow, the average of that curve is what becomes our self-worth, how we feel about ourselves. And above that average is our pride and confidence when we're feeling good. And below that average is our doubt, our shame, our guilt on who we feel that we are. And so what we need to do is start training ourselves, start believing in ourselves and training our mind to start putting ourselves above that average, above that um, line and in the higher elements of the sine wave so that we can actually increase our self-worth as we do that. And there's skills that we can teach ourselves in order to do that. And so we're gonna start with one simple one right now, which I call taking charge of your full potential. And in the work I do, I love to describe our value and our worth in this equation, right? So drop, uh, drop the name of this law in the chat because I'm pretty sure you know it, right? But V equals IR. The way I like to reframe V equals IR in terms of a positively powered individual and our self-worth is V, our value. It's our value, the value that we have, the value that we provide in the world. It's also the value we feel for ourselves. And like I said, we are 100% valuable, but it's a function of our I, our individual responsibility, R, that we take for ourselves, right? So our value, our self-worth is a function of our individual responsibility, V equals I, R. So in essence, we own it, right? So. I'm gonna ask you in a minute to take yourselves off mute and we are actually going to take charge of our potential. We're gonna start claiming our power. We are start, gonna start advocating for ourselves. And on the count of three, we are just going to claim it by saying, I own it. So ready? So take yourself off mute and we're gonna do it together. One, two, three. I own it. I own it. All right, so I want you to do that one more time, just a little bit louder. Step into it. One, two, three. Hi, Hi, All right, are you guys willing? And if you're willing, I'm going to stand up, but I'm going to ask you one more time. I want you to really step into your power. I want you to really claim it. We're going to stand up. Ready? 
So you are 100% powerful. You are 100% worthy each and every day. And if you're forgetting about yourself, don't be afraid, you know, to go look yourself in the mirror, remind yourself that you own it, maybe even give yourself a high five and remind yourself of your worth and your value. So I'm going to ask you to stretch a little bit now, get outside of your comfort zone, because one of the things that we don't do well in our society, and I think both as men and women, but we're kind of taught not to, not to brag, not to really, you know, talk ourselves up. And so what I'm going to do in a minute here is I'm going to put you into breakout rooms, but I'm going to ask you to talk yourself up as we go into those breakout rooms. And what you're going to do, it's going to be simple. You're going to be in groups of about three or four, and you're just going to go around the room and I'm going to have you in your groups for uh, about uh, four minutes, uh, four to five minutes. And you're just going to take turns one at a time, just kind of sharing what you like, love, admire, and appreciate yourself. And you'll go around the group in a circle. So it'll look something like this. What I like about myself is that I'm highly energized. What I love about myself is that I really love getting to know people and I love my curious mindset. What I love, like, and admire about myself is that, um, you know, I'm intelligent. Um, I got this engineering degree. It served me well. Um, what I like and appreciate myself is that you know, I influenced $500 million in energy projects in my career, right? Do you guys get the essence? Like, don't be afraid to go big and share a little bit about your successes. Brag about that a little bit. So any questions before we start? I want, feel free to pop those into the chat. All right. So I am gonna put you in breakout rooms now for about four to five minutes. You're just gonna go around and, uh, share what you love, like, and appreciate about yourself. So here you go. All right, welcome back, welcome back. Uh, I guess what I'd like to see in the chat is how did that feel? How'd that feel to, to brag about yourself and, and share a little bit about yourself? Felt good, felt good, yeah. Yeah, not used to it, uncomfortable, new, right? So we're stretching a little bit hard. Yeah, it can be hard to, to, to come up with what you love, like, and appreciate about yourself because we don't, we're not in the habit of patting ourselves on the back. But um, yeah, but what's nice about that is, you know, we all have strengths. We all have, you know, things that are, are positive about us that we are will that we can share with the world, right? And, and so, you know, Sometimes stretching ourselves and, and taking responsibility for that. And, you know, it'll go a long way in advocating ourselves. And so sometimes if you've got a big interview or if you've got a big pitch you've got to, to present is, you know, maybe take a little bit of time to, to remind yourself of those things that you love, like, and admire and appreciate about yourself or some of those successes that you've had in life, um, you know, to kind of pump yourself up. So... The next thing we're going to do is talk a little bit about uh, energizing our personal power. 
And I love love to talk about these things from the analogy of the simple circuit. It's quirky. I'm an engineer, I know. Um, but the other thing that I love to share is that our personal power um, is a function of P equals IV, right? You know, we have this amazing capacity within us, this unlimited potential that we all have, right? And our power switch lies in the, you know, our ability to make choices, what we say yes to, what we say no to in life, right? And of course, we're going to, you know, come up against resistances in our life and, and things are going to happen, right? There's, we're just, it's just a function of life. And it also helps us grow, right? When we have to get through and, and, and stretch ourselves a little bit, you know, as we work to those light bulbs, those goals, those dreams, those things that we want to light up, right? So how do we go about doing that, right? Our personal power. Our personal power is a function of, and does anyone remember what the V is um, from the V equals IR? So our personal power is a function of P, um, which is power in V, value, that's correct. Uh, a function of our individual value, right? So one of the ways I like to share this is to use it as a little bit of a hack. As you think about how you can advocate for yourself, how you can feel yourself forward is just ask yourself, how can I as an individual power P more value how can I power more value in this project? How can I power more value in my role? How could I power more value in this relationship, right? Just taking a little bit of responsibility for how we can power things forward. How we can shine uh, ourselves a little bit differently. Um, because as we fuel value and establish that credibility with others, you know, we're building our circle of influence. We're building that, that circle of trust and respect and rapport around us, right? So if we're focused on how we can power that value, how we can shine, how we can step into our, the spotlight and share those skills, those strengths and those talents with others in a positive way that fuels things forward and fuels value for others around us, we're gonna increase our personal power. Does that make sense? Drop a one uh, in the chat if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, so. So what I'm gonna do now is I want you to take a minute or so and just think about yourself and your current role right now and what are some of the ways that you power value in your current role right now? What are some things that you do day in and day out? And like I said, they could be little things that if no one else, if no one else did it because you're the one to do it, if you didn't do it, no one else would do it is what I'm trying to say here. Sorry, I got fumbled on my words there. And I just noticed I apologize for no reason. See, you got to keep a focus here on things. Um, but think about what are those things you do each and every day or things that you do in your current role that power value for the people around you, power value for your organization, because I'm willing to bet you can come up with a couple. So I'm going to give you a minute or two to think through this and write some of those things down. And what we're gonna do next is you've got your list. Um, I'm gonna put you back into breakout rooms. We're gonna recreate new breakout rooms, new group of folks, and you're gonna share some of those ways that you power value in your current role. And you're gonna do it just the same way that you did before, just go around your group and each share one of the ways that you power value. And as you're listening to each other, it, it might spur some inspiration on some other ways that you power value. So 
Don't be afraid to deviate from your list if something new strikes you, um, but I'm gonna give you about five minutes, um, four to five minutes in your group here to, to share how you power value um, in your organization and in your current role. Welcome back, welcome back. I would love to hear some of the ways that you power value in the chat if you're willing to share. Out here, yeah, this is Judy Connolly. Uh, we just talked about as the as a supervisor um, of meter technical uh, technicians, you know, I have the ability to bring forth uh, any change or something that they need and they would like to see. Uh, you know, I'm, I can be a voice for them and bring things forward to the company. I love that. And you know what? I love what you just shared because I realized one of the things I forgot to share when I was talking about, you know, raising your voice and using your voice in meetings is how do we, you know, serve as an advocate for others and bring the voices, other voices that aren't being heard in the room, right? And encouraging the voices around us. So I love that. Thank you. And Kristen says, by working with organizations one-on-one, -on -one, I like to connect with the company, the industry, the company to the industry more deeply. I like that. So how was that? Uh, drop a one in the chat if you enjoyed uh, talking about how you power value and, and stretching into taking and advocating a little bit for the value you provide. Thanks, Judy. Yeah. So I've got a few minutes left. I hijacked the group at the end. <laughs> Oh, I love that, Sharon. And yeah, it, it, it can be uncomfortable, Kristen. It, it's uncomfortable for us to, to talk about ourselves and to share who we are. But as we lean into it and, and as we share, um, and I think that's an important thing to bring up, as we lean into it and as we share, we can get more comfortable with it. And I think it's also important to realize that if you're sharing something about yourself that you admire or appreciate, if you're coming from a place of authenticity, and you know, intent to provide value and to share and to serve, it's not a negative thing. It's not going to be received that way. There's a difference between ego and self-assurance, right? If we're coming out, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know, and it comes out a little bit more competitive or I'm better than you and that you're less than and this, that, and the other. If you have that energy when you're sharing, that energy will be there. But if you're coming from a place where it's authentic and it's about serving and sharing and providing value and stepping into the power of who you are and the gifts that you have to give, that energy will be there as well. Was that helpful to share? Because um, I know it gets uncomfortable to, to, to kind of brag about yourself a little bit. Uh, so drop a one if that was helpful. Um, but uh, what I want to do next is I want you to kind of think back to that personal power wheel and based off the sharing in your exercises, um, you know, I want you to think through, you know, how you're feeling now about, you know, advocating for yourself or maybe leaning into advocating uh, for yourself a little bit more fully. Um, you know, maybe you're a little bit more joyful or ho hopeful. Um, I got tired and frustrated on here, which means I did a copy and paste from my previous slide. Um, you know, but hopefully you're you're feeling a little bit more energized in in your in who you are as an individual. So I'm going to give you a minute or two to to reflect on and how you're feeling now. And when you're ready and in the chat, 
um, what I'd like to hear is, you know, is there is there a difference? You know, is the energy and the emotions um, drop a yes if the energy and the emotions feel a little bit more elevated? Thanks, empowered. Thanks, Judy. Yep. Yeah. And so the reason I like to share this personal power wheel and have you kind of check in and create that baseline before we start these exercises is just to, to, to teach and to share, you know, that that when you, you know, step into your power and that when you claim your power and own your power and, and share the value that you bring to the table, you know, it does fuel that confidence. It, it does energize you. It does spark you in a different way. Right. So it's just a easy way to kind of measure measure that. So, um, and I know we're gonna dive into best presentation, but before we do, I wanted to just share a couple more resources that are available for you. Um, there's a couple exercises that I created for you. Um, if you go to that link, you can just download them. One is um, the Fuel Your Successes 100 Successes Worksheet to actually give you a, a worksheet to start looking at those successes. Um, and the second is um, called the mirror exercise. And this is an exercise that if you do it consistently can really help to boost your self-esteem. And it's also something that you can use to prep before an interview um, or before a big meeting um, and doing a power pose, right? Standing like Wonder Woman or putting your hands above your head um, and you know, taking a look at yourself and kind of um, pumping yourself up. So those are two, two resources that I wanna to give to you if you're interested. Um, I also have a weekly email called the Friday Fuel Up. It's short, three simple energizing tips, one to fuel success, one to unplug daily stress, and, and one to energize life. Uh, so if you're interested in that, there's the link. Um, if you are not a SeaWheel member and aren't receiving uh, your free copy today, you can go ahead and order a copy of Ignite Your Leadership uh, right here, um, right there on my website. Um, and the other thing I'd like to offer is if you're interested, I do also provide mastermind coaching. I bring together women in the industry. I create small group experiences uh, where you're paired up with four to five other individuals um, through a 12-week program to really help you fuel a goal or a project that you have forward. And so I've got some upcoming sessions in the new year. And so if you're interested in more details on that, uh, you can go to my website for that. So, and Kirsten's also dropped the, the information here in the chat. Um, so with that, I had one last thing I wanted to share uh, before I pass the baton over to Beth. And uh, it's a poem written by a friend of mine. Um, her name is Sybil Smith and it's called The Point of Power. So the point of power is now. It's right where you are. It's not in the past or future, it is near, not far. And each of us has the power to choose our thoughts and our actions. And it's our choice to create because our thoughts are magnetic attractions. So as you see where you are, and if it's not where you want to be, know you have the power to change it and your choice can set you free. So whenever you feel stuck, you're trying to be somewhere you're not. But the point of power is now, and that's the power you've got. The rest is guilt or worry, anger, frustration, or fear. Yet none of those emotions are empowering, and the point of power is here. So in this moment right now, the power is in your hands to take hold of it and use it and create the life you planned.
So thank you for spending some time with me today, uh, learning a bit on how to advocate uh, for yourself. Um, there's my contact information. And thank you, thank you, Beth, for pointing out that I have a typo in uh, my footer there. Um, so I am going to pop my correct phone number in the chat if you are interested. Um, you can snag it there. Um, but thank you for the opportunity to, to share with you today. I've enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I love that poem, Beth. It's, it's one of my favorites. So, um, and with that, um, we'll uh, pass the baton here to Beth. Great. Thank you so much, Natalie. I hope everyone will join with me and giving her a round of applause. She's just so inspiring. And I always walk away every time I connect with Natalie with new energy and feeling more centered in the work that we all do together. I'm Beth Offenbacker, as you know, and I'm really delighted to be here with you today for the Seawheel New England chapter meeting. And I think everything that Natalie covered is a perfect foundation for what I'm gonna share with you in the next few minutes. So what Natalie has done has, has been to give you a firm foundation in what all of your gifts and strengths are. And there are, are many. Uh, adding them to your tremendous experience in our field, no matter what level you are at your career. And my focus today, I'm going to share some slides here in a minute that I'm going to walk through with you, is to help you gather all of that together and put it into a plan, a structure that can help you take that next step forward. So bear with me a minute while I bring up my slides. Uh, a little bit of background about me. I think you heard in the introduction, the kind introduction that, that Kirsten provided earlier, that I have a background in our field. I've worked with people across all of the sectors that comprise clean energy and sustainability. And I've worked in a whole range of organizations, a whole type, a whole, um, whole array of uh, focus areas, local, regional, state, national, and international. And so what I've done at this point in my career, what, what I'm really excited to continue doing is to provide individual coaching, career coaching, as you can see here. I also do workforce development work with organizations. And uh, my research, you notice I have a doctorate. My research is in stakeholder engagement. How do we help bring people together to what I like to say, build a greener future for themselves, for their families, uh, for their organization, and for their communities? So. Everything is related to everything else. So what I'd like to ask us to do before we begin is I'd like to get a little bit of a sense of what the status of your uh, career is right now. Um, are you someone who has just started a job search? Um, maybe you are assessing an opportunity. Maybe you're starting to apply. Maybe you are um, in the process of doing interviewing or maybe there is, a, this is something that you have not decided to pursue yet. You're really assessing what might be, what might be possible for you. So if you could go ahead and, and type in the chat window, it would be great to get a sense of the group in terms of where you are in your own career management. And while you do that, I'll share with you, one of the biggest challenges that I think we all face is doing exactly this, managing our career. How do we know where we are how do we stay focused on the goals that we have before us and be the best advocate possible that we can for ourselves, as, as Natalie um, so accurately described at the beginning of her presentation? 
It's really easy to do it for the organizations we work for, right? There's a strategic plan, there's a vision, there's a mission. We have a whole bunch of other people who are helping guide um, the organization toward that outcome. It's really challenging often to do that for ourselves. And that's the case for several reasons. First of all, right, we can't always see ourselves accurately. Two, it's easy for us, and this happens with women having so many additional responsibilities often, we have a lot on our plates and to prioritize ourselves sometimes can be, can be really difficult. And third, sometimes it means stepping outside our comfort zone. That theme you heard a few minutes ago is gonna come up here. And so one of the things that I love to do with people is help them to carve out time and effort um, that helps them to get to that next level in their career. It may mean a promotion within their organization or a lateral move. It may mean applying um, for a role outside the organization. It may mean just becoming more comfortable in some particular aspect of what you do so you can score at the highest level in your next performance review. It might mean developing um, some additional skills and competencies through a certification program or a degree. All of these things are very doable when you have a plan and you take action on it. Um, and so I see several posts here in the chat window. Um, I see Kirsten, uh, Kristen is, is indicated that she's developing in her current role and making progress there. Nicole is as well, that's excellent. Um, I see uh, Ranel, I hope I'm saying your name correctly, is in the first stage. Um, a lot of other folks are in early. I see uh, Karen is in the third stage. Excellent. So knowing where you are helps you a lot to understand what your needs are and then how you can prepare for that next that next stage. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Thank you, everyone. So today I want to share with you the strategic career compass that I use with clients. And so this involves some self-awareness, some self-assessment, and it also involves the um, the assessment of what's going on in the industry right now. How do we relate what we bring to the table as professionals to what's happening in the world around us? And that makes us relevant to the organizations that are hiring. Or organizations are looking for people who are going to solve problems or make things easier for them to accomplish the goals that they have for the, for the organization. And so being able to make that direct connection between your um, your contributions, your whys, your must-haves, um, and knowing what's next for you with those items on the right-hand side of the green industry, where is the industry now, where is it pointed, what the gaps are, is essential for you being able to make the business case for you in your career. And if you are in that early planning stage, you haven't started applying, you haven't developed your materials yet, your resume, updated your LinkedIn profile, um, don't If you don't have a career brief, a career brief is a two-page document that's a high-level overview of who you are and what you provide that you use for networking purposes. If you don't have any of those things developed, or if you are in the process of developing them, these questions can help you to further hone that so you are presenting a really strong case for you to be the person that that organization needs to step into that role. And then similarly, if you haven't uh, decided to step out of, of your current role, if you're looking to further hone your skills, those things, those questions are also really valuable for recentering yourself professionally. 
So let's begin with the first question. What is your contribution? And so um, the question I don't, the, the question here, understanding what your contribution is, is really important. It really helps you focus on why you do this work. And one of the first questions that you get in any interview is why are you applying for this role? At some point, whether it's in that initial statement or in your closing statement or you know, at a point uh, in between, you wanna be able to express what it is that your contribution is, why you're unique. And Wangara Mathai is, is one of my personal heroes. Uh, as you may recall, she was the 2009 Nobel Peace Prize winner, founder of the Green Belt Movement in Nigeria, getting uh, women, predominantly women together to plant thousands of trees in Nigeria. And this statement always speaks to my heart. I don't wanna protect the environment. I wanna create a world where the environment doesn't need protecting. And so I just would ask you to pause today and think a little bit about that. Um, one of the exercises that I often do with my career coaching clients is have, having them write a career statement that helps them bring that out. Really, what are they passionate about? Um, what is it that they, they contribute? again, as a foundation for career development uh, so that they stay focused on that. And it's also some good material that you can draw on in, in your resume and the other items that I spoke about a few minutes ago. So let me ask you, what is your contribution? Is there something right off the top of your head that you'd say really inspires you and that keeps you, keeps you focused in terms of the contribution you wanna make to our field? Let me just pause and ask you to, to uh, drop a, a note in the chat window if there's something that really speaks to your heart. Okay, let's see. I'll check back in the chat window. It sounds like that's something folks may be responding in. Okay, well, Natalie's certainly saying positively powering uh, industry professionals. Perfect. That's a, a wonderful description of what your contribution is, Natalie. And this can be a little challenging to come up with. Um, so we can, we can come back to this and I'll check in. Um, Kirsten has said, I feel like women are often naturally caretaking and right now the earth needs our care. So for me, advocating for sustainability is a must. A must. Judy, promoting truth, even if it's painful. Yeah, speaking truth to power. Beautiful, Judy. We all need that, right? And we need somebody in the room who's going to do that for us, help us to realize those things. So excellent. All right. Well, let's, let's move on then. Um, and so one way that you can um, gain some inspiration and really try to hone what your, your contribution is, is to look, is looking to the SDGs, right? The Sustainable Development Goals. We've been hearing a lot about them recently with uh, the meetings in Glasgow. Um, and so you can walk back to um, all of these different SDGs based on specific metrics or outcomes that you've achieved in your career. So for example, um, one of the things that I did for a while, I worked for a trade association in the tree care industry. And so, you know, thinking about advocating um, for trees and speaking up for them, I mean, certainly clean water and sanitation, uh, the clean water part of it, trees filter uh, water, right? So that's something I could put number six as one of those areas of my, of my contribution, right? 
Or you can think about um, climate action, right? Planting trees is another way to achieve climate action because of all of the, the wonderful things that they do for the air. Um, similarly, affordable and clean energy. I think everyone here shares that and, and uh, um, knowing that that's, that's a, a central focus of, of our group today. So again, you can tie many of these things together and it might be that there are some social and economic goals that are really important for you too. Um, for example, zero hunger, if you're focused on sustainable agriculture, right? That goes to um, SDG number 12, but it also connects with SDG number two. And I think as women, we might be um, a little bit more focused on the, the social and economic goals in some ways, not that men aren't um, interested in those things, but we, we know the power of when women are advocates in the family and the community of, of the good things that can happen. So the SDGs are definitely a way that you can back into understanding or identifying what your specific contribution is. One of the things I also do with the people that I work with is um, we spend some time exploring the green economy map. Sometimes it's challenging to identify where exactly it is that you'd like to land in our field. It's pretty diverse, right? And so I've heard people speak today about, um, you know, that their work is in energy efficiency. Um, and that definitely is something we're all concerned about these days. Um, but you might find that there is a point in time where you want to go to work in another part of the, the green industry. So I use this chart with the clients I work with and in my green career workshops as well to help people understand in that um, you might have a lot of experience in energy and smart grid and maybe you decide that um, you really want to go to work um, in, in uh, green buildings, right? There's a, definitely a connection there. Or I've had individuals who come from policy roles, thinking about that lower left quadrant, educating, inspiring, and motivating and persuading others that um, they have experience, for example, in transportation. And so they wanna help inspire people and help them understand the value of, um, of hybrid vehicles, right? And, and all of these other um, incredible advancements that are being made in sustainable, uh, sustainable transportation. So, uh, it's always, I think, helpful for us to take a step back and realize where we've been and where we want to go as part of building that green career plan for ourselves for the future. Um, and so I would ask you, and I'll go back to this chart, what sector in the green industry most appeals to you? Um, and so we'll pause and let's see what, what folks have to say. It could be the sector that you're in right now, or if you're looking to perhaps make a change at some point. Write a few that you might find to be of interest. And let me bring that slide back up. And Sharon, thanks for your nice note. I, I did make an error, you're right. Wangara Mathai's work is in Kenya. I appreciate your, your pointing that out. Lots of energy efficiency, energy and smart grid, infrastructure, excellent. Hadass, focusing on educating, inspiring, motivating and persuading. Elizabeth in manufacturing. Great. And why is this valuable? Sometimes I'll have people do this exercise and they say, well, why do I have to choose? There's so many great things here. I'm really interested in all of these sectors. And my response is you want to be able to help people to know how they can support you. So if you go to a networking event and you say, oh, I'm in the sustainability field or I'm in the energy field, 
you know, they might know what you're talking about, your particular area of emphasis. Um, but the more specific you can be, um, I work in energy and smart grid, or um, I'm focused on green buildings. Then people, especially those outside our industry, know, oh, okay, I know somebody in that field. They'd be a really good contact for you. Um, so what you want to do is help people be able to support you in, in where you want to land next. And I agree with us, it is very hard to explain energy careers. And there are so many varieties of roles that we play. And so there are you know, certainly different parts of the industry. And then there are different type, types of functional roles, right? I mean, my work, when I work with organizations, it's usually something that is related to the HR function because they're thinking about how can we help our people have skills to take a step forward, right? Um, or we're having some challenges in, in working together on, on, a, on a project team. Um, and so I know each of you, um, some people here are probably engineers and others uh, have a specialty in another part of the organization. So. I think the more explicit we can be about um, our industry as well as the specific function that we provide as part of that industry is really valuable. So thank you everyone. The good news is that there's more awareness and more media coverage of energy issues these days. And so I think generally more folks know about clean energy and what it's about, which is, which is really, really great. So let's, let's talk a little bit as well about what is your why? Um, I like to think of this as the, the, the question, the, the point of inspiration that gets you up in the morning on a day that might be a little bit challenging, right? Um, and so pausing to, to take stock of that question um, can be really useful for us. And I'll share with you what my why is. Um, I believe that when people have an individual connection to nature, the world is a kinder, more just, more equitable, more sustainable place. And so I really think about um, the, the orientation of um, self um, as well as uh, a connection to people and planet with my work, right? They're, they're nested together. And you can see my family here. This is why I do it. I want my family, you can see that's me with my big 80s hair, 90s hair, uh, on the left-hand side with my family. Um, and then in the middle with my husband and kids out in the, the wilds of Washington State, I want my children and my grandchildren to be able to go and experience that wonderful beauty. Uh, and if I don't do something about it, right, if I don't um, take action in a variety of ways, they aren't going to be able to experience that. Um, so my work is around helping people to step forward in, in this field, of course. Um, and I also am on a personal mission to help people um, make that connection in nature, to help them care about a place, a park where they go with their family uh, on a picnic or a place they like to go camping, right? Because then they might do something to protect that place. So a little question for you to pause for a minute and, and make a few notes. I'm curious if anyone has a why, if they, you'd like to raise your hand and share that with the group. I'll just pause for a minute and see if we have. And Natalie has shared one. Her why is to leave the world better than she found it by bringing out the best in myself and others. Great, great. 
Judy wrote, life is about service and helping others. So this is sometimes a question that you need to journal a little bit about or um, spend some time talking with a, a friend or colleague or family member, really getting down to, you know, this is a hard issue, bringing up um, one of the points that Natalie mentioned earlier. And I think it, it's something that can really help us when we have those difficult days on our job searches and in the office um, to, to keep going forward because we know what happens if we stop doing this work. Next question on the strategic green career compass is what are your must haves? So as you take stock of yourself, understand your contribution, what is your, your why? Um, it's equally important to understand what it is that you need to be successful. What are the elements for that particular role that really are important to you and to prioritize them? Um, and so here are some of the different examples that uh, you, might, you might choose from. You might have some others here. So is the mission really important? Probably I would say in this group, that's gonna be um, a, a critical item, but maybe you're a working parent. Uh, and you need some, some flex time, you need a hybrid work schedule or a remote work schedule. Maybe location is important. Um, maybe the size of an organization. There are a whole range of things. And one of the things that I like to do with people is have them prioritize that list. And so as they look at different opportunities for their current position, as well as a, a possible position they might be pursuing is to prioritize them. What are they learning? What do they notice from the job description? Uh, what do they learn as a result of that conversation? How does the, the, the score list that the organization might have match up with your list? And how do you navigate that? What are those things that are non-negotiable for you? And again, to come into that with a, a real sense of this is an equivalent conversation that you're having with a hiring organization or with your current supervisor? How do you navigate that? How do you, how do you negotiate those must-haves so that you can um, be maximally effective in that role? And then what is the next level of mastery? Um, in the HR field, um, there are career paths. So generally someone gets into a a particular kind of role, you know, you start off as a junior engineer and you work your way up, right? And a whole layer of, of um, a whole set of layers of roles that you're going to pursue if you get promoted up in the organization. And you can think about it, and, you know, the people who you work with, some the next person up who's senior to them, who's senior to them and senior to them, etc. So what the HR function looks at is, okay, when they look, review your resume, they're gonna consider, okay, what are the roles that you've been in and how, how are you progressing? And so being aware of what your current skill level is and a variety of, of technical areas, as well as others are really important. I often speak about the three kinds of skills that we need for career success. And this is based on a study done by Rhodes University in South Africa. And the next level of of mastery involves social skills, it involves um, technical skills, and it involves transformative skills. The social skills are those relational skills, right? 
emotional intelligence is considered one of them. There are a lot of others. How do you get along? How do you play well with others in the sandbox? The technical skills, that's pretty straightforward. Whatever the technical abilities are needed to do that particular role and be successful in it. The transformative are ones that I think generally today we have a little bit more familiarity with, um, but there are things like innovation. There are uh, skills like deliberation. Um, how do you help, help the group problem solve? Um, agile thinking is one great example of a transformative skill set. Um, so those are some of the, the types of things that you need to be able to, to dip into. It's, it's not only getting along well with others and performing your particular functional role well, you need to, to have those skills to be able to say, we've got this big challenge. How are we going to do this project given the, the, the uh, roadblocks that are before us? How can we creatively get around this? How can we help people to see something that's possible that maybe before um, we weren't able to see? So I would encourage you as you look at your resume and take stock of the skills that you have to create a list and write down what are those skills and competencies that you have in those three areas? How are you doing on them? Where do you see that there could be some improvements made? And to make a plan so that you can, you can continue to cultivate each of those skills. Um, and so, yeah, new challenges, new opportunities are something that um, you want to be prepared for. So also looking forward to that next role that you want to have. So understanding what's being asked of a person at that next level in your organization and coming up with uh, a plan to ensure that you have um, strengths in all of those core areas. And it involves, again, the, all, all of those three, three types of, of skills. Um, and some knowledge about what keeps you engaged in moving forward, right? Um, are there elements of the role that you're in that you feel like you've, you've learned everything that you need to learn or that you want to learn there? Is there some new challenge that's on the horizon? So you also want to, to bear that in mind and anchor your plans um, for that future direction. Now I want to move to speaking a little bit about that right-hand column, right? Thinking about um, the green industry itself. So I said that there's this constant conversation between our own skills and experiences and abilities on the left column with the right column of the industry. And so one of the things that I always enjoy doing is talking about where the industry is now. It's so fast moving. It's incredible to see all of the developments that are happening, innovations, left and right, um, we still have a lot of work to do in order to um, achieve the, um, the outcomes that we need by 2030. So paying attention to this is valuable because when you're talking with potential employers or angling for that promotion, um, that new role within your current organization, you need to be able to speak the language that the organization speaks. What are they worried about? What are the pressures that the organization is feeling externally? So understanding that is is really essential and so what i like to say is you know my epitaph is going to be always learning um, that similarly should be all of our goals uh, this is where organizations like seawill certainly are are so important service opportunities um, looking also to um, other sources like newsletters social media um, uh, that those are ways that you can learn more about what the challenges are that industry is facing. 
And there's nothing better than writing and speaking on a topic at a conference to really bring you up to speed on what's happening in, in, in your part of the field. So those are a few ways that you can assess what's happening. And to be aware of where the industry is pointed. Um, I am a, a partner with the Super Trends Institute in Switzerland. It's a worldwide organization of futurists. And I learn so many interesting things all the time from my colleagues and really understanding um, how do you know what is happening in our field? Um, there is a, a great tool, some of you who may have taken a class that, that talks about um, future studies will find this to be um, something you'll recall. So using STEEP um, to identify emerging trends. So an example of a social trend would be um, the emphasis that we see now on uh, inclusion in communities. How do we help communities that are over um, under-resourced and overburdened um, from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint to help them um, address those challenges so that they can have a greener uh, future for themselves and their families and their community. Um, an economic trend would be um, the focus on disproportionate, disproportionate impacts, right? As well as um, uh, energy burden is something I hear quite a lot more about these days. And so how are we thinking about that? Um, ensuring that uh, those who are lower moderate income, a, a higher proportion of their incomes aren't taken up with, uh, with energy costs. And that's where, of course, energy efficiency comes in. In Northeast, knowing that there's a big background in um, oil heat, right? How do we help people reduce that, that load that we feel um, from an emissions standpoint, as well as have warm housing in the wintertime um, and not have uh, an undue effect on, on their income level, their ability to provide for their families. Um, so the STEEP exercise is a fun one to do. And so let me pause and ask, um, are there a couple of emerging trends that you're seeing that you're hearing a lot about um, from where you sit? And yeah, feel free to chat in the window, uh, post in the chat window, any trends that you really, that you see. Um, and let's see, Kirsten has asked a question um, related to super trends. What folks are posting, I'll, I'm glad to respond to this. She says sustainability and, oh, hold on, let me, the chat window, I'm having trouble seeing all of the chat window. Okay, sustainability and studying nature shows us how connected natural systems are, but human industries aren't necessarily structured this way. How can we find or create the roles that start connecting all of the sectors? Ah, you're talking about using a systems mindset, Kirsten. Yeah, absolutely. This is something that um, many organizations are starting to, to really think about. Um, so yes, man has, uh, humankind has created systems that, um, have broken that link. Um, I don't think we are going to solve it right away. I think it's something that um, there's a, a growing movement. For example, in the architecture industry, there's a, a movement called um, Genesis, which is around making more of a direct connection between buildings and the nature that surrounds building. So I think it's starting on a very organic level. 
um, I would hope that there is a larger, um, more comprehensive view that we could take as a society. And so I'm hoping that's going to be something that's going to, you know, grow legs, so to speak. Uh, very essential given um, the world that we're in today. So Sharon said uh, grid modernization and blended finance and energy development. Yeah, absolutely. That's one that we're seeing a, a good bit. Um, are there others here? Let's see. So when, when organizations do future studies, they, they also uh, go to this list, right? And try to, to categorize some of the different things that they're seeing in their industries. Um, one of my colleagues, a fellow futurist named Jim Burke also brings in ethics as a, an additional um, E here, S-T-E-E-P-E. -E -E. So to really think about, you know, what's the right thing to do? And I love that in our field that we think about that. Um, we want to respect animals and nature, um, plants, the water, the air. We can't be here without them. And so how are we thinking from a, um, a more comprehensive perspective? And yes, Hadass has mentioned ethics and AI as well. Yes, yes, my colleague Jim has spoken a good bit about that. Um, so some interesting things to consider. And so when you go in to talk with a potential hiring organization, to have a little you know, list of all of these different trends and how they might connect to that organization is something that is, is good to bring into that interview conversation. Um, and so one of the things I mentioned that organizations are looking for people who are problem solvers, right? Who can really think about what ways they can help the organization address those big challenges before them. And so, you also want to be able to identify, okay, given your expertise and experience, how could you help that organization get from the present to the future? Um, so some good homework questions here for everyone as they start to think about their, their search or their promotion in their current organization. Um, and so one of the things I also like to, to mention a little bit about is, you know, future, futurism isn't about um, predicting the future. It's around having some different forecasts that help you to avoid surprises. And similarly, that goes to your career. You want to prepare for some alternative career scenarios, or as one of my colleagues likes to say, always have a plan B. Um, there's a great book called Conscious Luck that was written by Gay Hendricks and Carol Klein. And, and they talk about uh, one of the strategies in that book is having a very specific and a broad focus. So you might say, I'm looking for my next role in um, green buildings. And you might also say, okay, um, uh, I'm gonna broaden that out a little bit and say, I'm gonna also look at um, the smart grid. So you wanna look at some alternative career scenarios. And use those insights to look for the on-ramp to your next role. It might be something that you're not entirely expecting. So I think there are some really great points about having that specific focus, but then being open to other opportunities that might be related that could be something that is exciting that you might not have ordinarily anticipated. So I come back to the Green Career Compass just as a quick Overview, you can see we've covered the questions on the left and the questions on the right. 
And so the career plan is really around, again, having a strategy, having a plan and getting into action. And so when you can answer the questions in both of those columns um, and put it together with a timeline, um, it's helpful sometimes to have some accountability with a colleague, a friend, or I do that occasionally with clients. Um, it helps you to be able to move forward in, in accomplishing those goals that you've set for yourself professionally. I want to encourage you to connect with me if there's anything that I could do to support you or if any questions that you have about anything I've shared today. Um, I'm glad to, to take any questions that you have. Um, about your career or anything that you see on the horizon. So let me stop sharing my screen and open it up for questions and conversation. And I'm going to add here in the chat window my contact information as well. And um, while we're waiting for questions, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Beth and Natalie. I love how we covered everything from a broader long-term um, picture of you know, the direction that we can go with our career to immediate action items that we can start taking today. And there's just so much for me to work on um, that came out of this meeting. I, I really enjoyed it. Thank you to both of you. I hope everyone did too. I'll also take a moment to say that if, if anyone wants to learn more about CBL or get more involved in CBL New England, you can go to um, aeenewengland.org slash CWheel um, or email me and Andrea at info at cwheelnewengland.org. This is a picture of our advisory group. Thank you, Andrea, Kirsten, and Danielle for helping put this together. And um, making our Seawheel New England group so much fun for me. And if anyone else wants to join, I, I really want to make this our Seawheel New England, not just my Seawheel, not just, you know, the four of us. Um, and if you want to join Seawheel, you can log into your AE account and add Seawheel. Or if you're new to AE, you can use the code um, Seawheel50 for a discount on your AE membership. Thank you, Natalie. I agree that CWL is a fabulous organization. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I through the career advancement committee, which I got involved with with Janine, I have made just some incredible connections. And so thank you, including Kirsten, who uh, invited me to join you today and who was one of our fabulous speakers on CWL's uh, three-part series on the career spotlight. So thank you. And I, I do love that Seawheel is an international organization. We have, even though we're Seawheel New England, you know, based in, in the Boss, greater Boston area, we have people in this meeting from all over the world and, and at uh, the Seawheel events, there's people from everywhere. And it's so interesting to hear about energy issues and women's issues in different parts of the world. I love that. I want to put a plug in with National to do like a grid modernization across the world <laughs> topic. I think that could be fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do have a question if no one else does. It's kind of related to my comment about sort of how we have structured our greater infrastructure and industries. So maybe best to best, 
I've done some reflecting because I had the privilege of seeing another one of your presentations on some of these questions. Um, and I think I know what I want to do, but I'm not sure that it exists. So do you have any advice for sort of how to create or like how to approach something that feels too big for one person, even though you know that's what you want to be involved in? So perfect example being, I know there's huge intersections between agriculture and personal consumption and manufacturing and then the buildings that all of that happens in, which is where I currently work and then the industry that's feeding those buildings for the energy rather. So it's also connected. And I think it needs to be more so connected and, and more clearly connected, uh, but that's a huge undertaking. So how do you start to like <laughs> approach something that big? It's, it's a really great question. Um, I mean, I think there are some organizations that are trying to convene um, a range of interests around it, Kirsten. Um, so you can think about um, the World Economic Forum, for example. Uh, they are really trying to marshal the business sector, which is you know, a big contributor to the challenges that we see, just like we individually are. Um, I mean, organizations like the United Nations and, and of course, bringing people together at the, the COP26 uh, meetings is another way that those conversations are happening. So those are, I think, some more global forums. Um, I'll follow up with you. There, there are some other groups, and I'm just off the top of my head. I, 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 it's on the tip of my tongue. So I'll suggest a few resources if you and others are, are interested in pursuing those conversations. Um, I think one of the, the big challenges is that um, we have um, a very fractured um, approach to the challenges that we're facing and convening people to, to move toward the outcomes that we all want um, can be unwieldy, right? And so I think that bringing that global perspective and, and emphasizing the commitment that's needed is absolutely essential. Um, where I think people get frustrated and um, often um, progress is slow or even painful is, is realizing the degree of change that needs to be made. But if we don't do anything, right, it's just gonna continue to get worse. Um, so I'll, I'm glad to, to follow up with you and share a few resources that might help you. Kristen, yeah. I would add, um, you know, Part of that is doing what you can now, the small things you can now, and that could start simply by sharing the vision, starting the conversation, having that conversation, uh, because the more we talk about that, share the vision, the more we have those conversations, it attracts the energy and more people show up that are interested in that vision or supporting you with an aspect of that vision or creating ideas or more resources to follow up on. So I would just say share, share share and you know that's a simple way to get started thanks you i will say one other thing i think having these conversations and this is why groups like sea whale is important right and what natalie just said um, behavior change is something that um, we need to do individually as well as collectively um, and, and so being around like-minded people who are in organizations like Sea Whale and AEE, I think can help us have that fuel 
that we need to keep pushing this forward. Um, and it's so interesting. I, I think there are more people and more communities that are on board with this. Um, and there's always more education that, that's needed to help, to help those communities uh, move the needle. Um, so I would say as part of that, keep, keep plugged in to people who, who share a passion for this field because um, there are times, I mean, I can think of, I know people who don't recycle, believe it or not. I know a, a few people, they just see it as an inconvenience for them. And I'm working on them. I'm not gonna give up on them, right? So um, I think each of us probably know somebody who, you know, maybe they drive an old gas guzzler car that's not very energy efficient and that's adding a lot of particulate matter to the air around us. Um, or we write a letter because there's, there's a factory that um, maybe they have some emissions that are near a school and we know that children are particularly um, susceptible um, you know, developmentally to uh, pollution. Uh, there are all kinds of things that we can do um, individually as well as collectively to, to keep, keep things moving where we want them to go. I, I think working locally is so important. You know, it's, it's easy to get distracted by the big picture and think you need to go all the way to the top, but having a local impact is important and I think can provide immediate gratification to, you know, grow, grow a garden or, or like you said, work work within your um, your municipality to make changes. So if there are no other questions, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. And thank you, Natalie. Thank you, Beth. Again, um, I enjoyed this thoroughly. I have my work cut out for me. And, um, and thank you everyone for joining. Thank you, Kirsten, Andrea, and Danielle. Have a great afternoon.